Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Amen. We're rolling. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Father Nathan. Father John. Triceratops uh, coaster today. One of our longest standing gifts, I think, in the yep. podcast that, that remains. It's been. Along, along with that loon clock up on the wall. Loon Clock, yes. Uh, happy 40th birthday to Lori Brown. Um, she is the one who, well, her parents gave it to us. So Today is the birthday of Sister Annunciata Maria of oh, the Father's Love. Really? I bet she is 31. Dirty bum. 30 fun. That would be me, my guess. 30 fun. Today is also the zero birthday of James Thomas Today. Lynch. My newest nephew, J.T. Lynch. J.T., born this morning. Gatorade Player of the Year. Yep. Someday. In hockey. Yeah, that's right. I told Jordan, I said, you've almost um, you've almost fielded a hockey team, first line. First line. Yep. So if there you only. go. He's going to need uh, two more, though, because he needs a goalie, unfortunately. But he's going to look for a basketball team, probably, instead. So we'll see. So, yeah, happy for... My sister, she... Uh, she will certainly be trying again. She has four boys. Four boys. Four boys. Really wants that girl. Yes, she does. But I tell you what, she, uh, in classic Barger fashion, you know, she has the child, and then within 10 minutes, looks like she's walking out of a GQ magazine. That's just men, I guess. No. Whatever. Like, out of a... She looks perfect. It's just like the Instagram shot is... Better Homes and Gardens. Better Homes and Gardens. There you go. Yes. Those are the women's magazines. My bad. Shows how many magazines we read. So, yeah, a very exciting day for the Nepple Lynch family and uh, grateful for another one. Maximilian um, Colby, what a great what great saint. Yep. Honestly. Yep, good day. So, you know, kind of hoping for a girl on the Feast of the Assumption, but, you know, we're happy with James. Yeah. It's a great name, too. James Solid. Thomas. She yep. didn't tell us. We didn't know until today. Yep, that's exciting. What? You, oh, here's the speculation. Here's the speculation. Oh, I don't know. It happened today. Carrie Pearsall. Leonidas Pius X Pearsall. No, wait. Yes, that's his name. No, no it's not. Yes, it is. Leonidas <laughs> Pius X. P-I-U-S capital X. Oh, yeah. Leonidas. Carrie's taken to the next level. Dude, that is baller. Oh, yeah. Pius the ten. Pius X. Pius X. Pius X. Yeah, that, dude, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Baptized Leonidas. Today. Who did it? Leonidas apparently was Origen's father. Okay. Yep. I presume Larkin did it. I don't know. Dude, those are those. Is, that's a manly name. Leonidas. Pius X. He should have told me. I have uh, Pius the tenth's uh, relic. Well, Next time. Go. All right. When I come over and cook for you, Carrie, I'm uh, I'm bringing. Pius X's relic. Pius Leonidas, Leonidas Pius X. <laughs> I mean, honestly, uh, people are naming John Pauls all all over, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, let's let's throw it back. Shake to it a, up a little bit to a few old popes. A few old popes. Yep. Carrie Pearsall. Fun. A father. Yeah. Age forty three. Our guy. Yes, he Love was. That guy. I mean, he was as good as dead in his loins. <laughs> God saved him. Like Abraham, basically, he right? was. I yeah. mean, I mean, think I think Abraham was actually better off. But I um, share a story from a two night. Actually, it was last night. Was at a fancy restaurant, and I, I realized that there are two kinds of people in the world. Mm. There are those who send a Negroni back 
when it's made wrong. And there are those who just drink it. Excuse me? Yeah. I was at a nice restaurant with all the priests at the seminary. It's kind of our opening dinner together. No. And the last time I was at this restaurant, which will not be named. Uh, no way. I got a terrible Negroni. And Leonard looks at me and he goes, don't order that Negroni. You remember last year? And uh, so I talked to the bartender and I said, just want to make sure we're on the same page with how to make a Negroni. And he goes, yeah, gin, Campari, and vermouth. It's a Negroni. And I was like, oh, fine, fine. He brings this thing out, pink kitty cocktail thing. And I'm just like, and Wagner's sitting next to me. And I'm just like, this is terrible. It doesn't have any Campari in it. This is Italy destroyed me. Like, I can't just, you know. And so I kind of gestured towards, you know, I don't know. And the the general manager comes over. He's like, sir, is there a problem? And I'm like tucking in the collar at this point because Brady's just like bright red. And I was like, yeah, I ordered a Negroni. And um, this doesn't have any Campari in it. And he put dry, dry vermouth and it needs sweet vermouth. And wow. he goes, I'll be right back, sir. And he brought it back, and I said, tell the bartender this is a great Negroni. He made it perfect. After was that. it? It was. He put dry vermouth oh, yeah. and no Campari. Like a splash of Campari. It's it's literally one, one, one. Exactly. That's the it's nice. It's very simple. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Well, um, I have been chastised by uh, Father John for treating waitresses horribly. <laughs> I think they're called servers now, aren't they? I uh, service people okay <laughs> they're service people and i don't know if i've ever sent a drink back yeah. so let's just put you on notice right that's but i've i've been there yeah i've yep. been there i think it's true i it was a new low but um you know anything to make brady blush a little bit you know make sure it makes for an interesting evening that yeah. is that's that that's a new level yeah it is but i understand i mean you know you have your you have your drink of choice. Yep, and again, it's not that hard. There's a there's a phrase that's uh, whiskey's for fighting, waters for dying, because water rights water rights are mm-hmm. really precious, really right. important. And uh, but you know when it comes to uh, Negronis, you know whiskey's for fighting. Fightin'. Negronis, Negronis are for, for whining. For whining. Okay. There there you go. Go. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Well, folks, it's almost 10 o'clock at night on Saturday, and this guy uh, is right back from Kansas City where he had a baptism. Mm-hmm. And uh, I right. can't believe you're awake right now. But the we newly, had the newly but, baptized uh, Thomas David Harrison Gobel, first Gobel boy in all of the grandkids. Thomas David. Thomas David Harrison. Oh. Thomas David Harrison Thomas in that David order. Harrison. Oh. Yes. Okay, because I know there was there was some debate of the order of the names. Yes, that's his name, Thomas David Harrison. Okay, I Global. like I like calling him TD. 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 This one I'm gonna call JT. JT and TD. That's right. Well, so I think uh, I don't want to wait. You know, keep you up too late tonight. That would be appreciated. But so. I am locked in because we we are back on track. Yeah, I want to thank everybody for their patience over the summer. I know that you've. You've had to reach out desperately for other podcasts to satisfy the urge, um, but uh, we're back and we're going to get back on schedule. The yellow of the uh, is that the color that you use on Google Calendar? Mine's yellow. Mine's red. Okay, mm. for the podcast calendar. See, red. I mean, red is kind of red means rage. So I would encourage you to go. Red to, means uh, alert. You know, 
stay attentive. Can I tell one more story? Of course. So we as got you, all night. as you know, the I had this crazy dream where uh, I had two new youth ministers, and uh, I had a dream that uh, they were inviting me to speak to the entire youth ministry, and it was this enormous hall of kids, and I they was were, wondering which dream you they were, were all waiting, yeah. you know, desperately. <laughs> And um, and I and I walked out there and I was really nervous and I just said, the word is mango, mango, and the kids go crazy. I mean, they're all screaming, yelling. They're, they all want to give their lives to Christ. Later on, I tell uh, my youth minister Jane Dixon, coordinator, uh, director of youth ministry at Saint Joan of Arc. Um, I tell her, hey, we need a we need a podcast. We need a youth ministry calendar to put it on the Google calendar so I can just kind of keep track and everything. And so she's like, all right. So she finally comes up with it and it's color coded wrong. So I look and one of the colors is mango. Mango. Brilliant. I mean, dude, that was Holy Spirit. So anyways, red, I would just say red can can convey a certain thing. I could go mango. So I I go yellow. Pull a bit, a little bit. What's yellow? People. People. Popoli. That's the name of the title. Hopefully. That's it. I'm ha- having a coffee with a friend. It's yellow. It's nice. It's yellow. Blue. Okay. Blue is kind of your standard, you know. Blue's companions. Blue's everything. I've been raised oh, okay. to see the world and you know, as you mentioned in the last podcast. I Funny, know. my my little brother Haynes William is green. My my brother William today, I said, uh, dude, what does your shirt mean? And he said, quote, I don't know. It was blue, so I liked it. There you go. <laughs> I was like, you choose you choose your shirts based on color, but yeah. Yeah, that's what he does. Well, summer, summer's over. Uh, no, no, no. Ferragosto. Ferragosto. Is tomorrow. Uh, echo. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Summer is coming to a close, and tomorrow, uh, the middle of August in August. Italy is considered like, you know. That's the, when you start again. Yep. Yep. Ferragosto, uh, August 15th, Feast of the Assumption. And, um, you know, in Italy, it's great because they don't have civic holidays they have religious holidays so the ferragosto is not the first monday in august or something it's the 15th always which means it oftentimes falls on a tuesday or a thursday and so they say um they had the, they would always ask each other how are you gonna fare your ponte how are you gonna how are you gonna make build, the bridge how are you gonna build the bridge yeah from the feast to the weekend and yeah. i was like oh, i love italians this is just you know so you gotta fare your ponto so um the Italians are a nice lead-in for this um, this topic, which is going to be very basic uh, this evening. This is kind of a kind of lead into something. Hopefully, it's kind of helpful. It's interesting, but it's something I've been thinking about this summer, and it was something I was thinking about yesterday. I was driving into the seminary. We're back. The guys are back today. In fact, they are due back at the house in the next five four minutes by ten o'clock on Saturday. We'll and see. you will keep an eye out, right? Even though I'm not there, the uh, hypocritical house father, but. Uh, I was driving into the seminary yesterday, and I was thinking about, all right, what's the topic we're going to do on Saturday? I was also um, eating breakfast while I'm driving, talking to my mother, and praying the rosary at the same time. And I thought to myself, <laughs> there's something really wrong with the situation. Like, this, is, this, is actually, this actually happened yesterday. And uh, so I was, like, reminded of uh, a line from our good friend, Dr. Susan Selner Wright, which she just kind of, you know, how she has these kind of off-the-cuff quasi-pontifical statements that resonate because she's been thinking about these things in kind of in exasperated tones for a bit. And she went off about multitasking is for computers. Hmm. She's like, human beings are not supposed to multitask. 
as you're checking your text right now as we're I'm, podcasting. I'm, I'm just that's all right. That's all right. Just trying to get get ahead, John. So I was reminded of how stupid and phrenic and crazy it is to be driving, planning a podcast, eating breakfast, talking to your mother, and praying the rosary at 7.30 in the morning as you're going down Spear Boulevard past Downing. And looking at your word-to-day calendar and realizing it's actually frenetic. What did I say? It doesn't matter. Let us continue. Frenetic? Frenetic. <laughs> is that what you were looking up? No. You are multitasking. No, I'm just... So I was, John, I, my brain moves at such a fast pace. I can. Uh, it does. It's a, it is incredible. Um, sometimes in different directions, but um, we digress. We digress. So I was convicted uh, once again, returning back to Denver, returning back to life post Ferragosto, where uh, we have a lot of things to do and uh, things are, are moving again fast. And um, summer affords a slower pace, some rest. We have the mountains. You and I were. Gloriously, about two months ago, um, camping on the side of Blue Mesa Reservoir, looking out over the lake, yeah. sitting there that night. Do you remember that night? Just sitting, just sitting. We just yeah. talked. That's all we did. I had to say mass. It was a Sunday night. We just sat and watched the sunset, and it was one of these long summer sunsets over the lake that just, it felt like it lasted. It was the longest day of the year. It was, it was the longest day it of the year. It was the fulfillment of uh, Great Gatsby. Don't yeah. you just wait for the longest day of the year That's and just true. miss it. There you go. It was glorious. It was. And I was thinking about that. I was also thinking about my, my silent retreat. I was in a cabin outside of Telluride, thanks to Barb and Steve Golder, who are the best, um, and uh, loaned me their cabin. And retreat life is very simple. Yeah. And, and part of the reason it's simple is because you're doing one thing at a time. You're praying. You're having a meal. In the evening, I would smoke a pipe. Tobacco. Okay. The the you know I hear you the the form of the substance that's really frowned upon in our state uh, presently more yeah. so yeah right um, I would read a book I would take a nap it was the basic you're doing one thing at a time and then I return back to quote unquote civilization and find myself kind of panicking and frenetically is that a good use of the frantically frenetic is a word it is. Is I don't it, know. Is it, it an it, adjective? It could be. Okay. So find myself in this contrast and saying, okay, wait a second. How do we, how do we disconnect here a little bit? The, uh, on top of this, uh, uh, John, Father John Ricardo of Acts 29, who did our priest convocation in April, mentioned uh, a book that I picked up, actually kind of through the Polito family, who are all reading it, called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Did I tell you about this? No. Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer, who's a um, Protestant evangelical pastor in... Um, Oregon? Oregon, Portland, yeah. And uh, he's a guy who's probably about our age, a little older maybe. Well, maybe he's your age, you know, late 30s. He's oh, not mid, wow. mid-30s like wow. me. Wow. <laughs> he's 38. I turned 38 in two weeks. Um, but uh, he is... Uh, he was just, he rose quickly to the kind of super pastor, uh, obviously very talented guy, and just burned out. His marriage was on the mm. rocks. His wow. family was falling apart. He was just like, I'm totally unfulfilled in the way that I'm living, the pace that I'm living, and I'm a Christian pastor, and this is radically opposed to w- what seems to be the pattern of Christian discipleship, what, what Jesus is doing and what he's proposing, what the gospel is suggesting. 
So it's a really, it's a good book. It's worth reading. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Pages? Uh, about 150, 200, but it's very light. The one thing that drives me a little crazy is sometimes these evangelicals are like, we have to make Christianity really cool, you know? And it's just kind of like, it's not that cool. Christianity's mm-hmm. not that, it's not that good. It's always relevant. It's always timely. It's always meaningful, but it's not necessarily cool. So there's a little bit of that in the book, but it's very light, very easy to read, and he's got some great, he's got some great one-liners in it. And uh, so I'd like to just kind of pull a couple of those out, hear your thoughts, and then go into some wicked awesome shout-outs, which is probably the highlight of this podcast. Really? Well, yeah, and you shared a couple also. I don't know how many you're okay. going into. I'm looking forward to this. This is like the Father Greg Peterson dream. He's like, he'll read a book, and then he'll just be like, um, uh, what, uh, what do I need to know about this book right now? Right. Like, what exactly... What exactly should I? Yeah, this is it. This will save you. This will give you the Reader's Digest version of the book. The title itself suggests exactly what it's about, which is that hurry is the enemy of the spiritual life. And if you're like me, uh, you're realizing I'm hurrying all the time. I'm moving constantly. I'm I'm always at work, and I'm trying to do things for the Lord, uh, but necessarily, not necessarily effectively, and then especially being fruitful, just kind of moving through things. If you need to text Andrea, you can do that to get that thing. Sorry about that. We have a technical difficulty here in the podcast. Um, So the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry uh, as a project for uh, the Christian in the the technological and modern age um, is, is is an important one. And I think one of the main points that he suggests in the book is that sometimes like we're really earnestly trying to live the Christian life, but the the preconditions of the life um, make render it basically impossible. So if you're moving at an a kind of an unbelievable pace, if your life is filled with um, noise, um, if you never have the experience of solitude, which many people never do, if you don't have beautiful places to pray in silence, it's um, it's it's this is not. Uh, you, you can't just have a robust spiritual life. You have, you have to kind of rebuild the conditions. And I, I, I remember a great talk we heard from um, Jonathan Reyes, who just basically said, we've yet to acknowledge and realize the fact that mobility and technology have radically altered the, the way that human beings live and interact. Almost there. Okay, gotcha. So I think uh, we have to slow it down. We have to simplify um, and we we both put we both put limits on our phone so that we can't look at it after whatever. Yeah, phone shut down. Yeah, mine shuts off at so nine fifteen. My notes it, are on my phone. It shuts off at ten, and I I just gave you approval for one minute, but it's not going to work. So I'm just oh, wait, so wait. I'm waiting for it to go. So the uh, this is exactly what we were talking about. But this screen is time is very nice. Um, I really I, appreciate. I'm, I'm tempted to go home and watch the highlights of stage one of the Vuelta a España. The e, bike race. E vuelta. I can't do it unless you give me extra time. Don't give me extra time. Um, just give me the hour so we can finish this thing. The uh, but it just it you got to put limitations on your life, and and this is a great way to do it. Screen time. Shut the phone off. Nine o'clock, ten o'clock, whenever you want. Yeah, so that you're just so we're, set. we're big go. proponents. You got an hour. Atta boy. You got an hour. All an hour right. Go. Thank you, man. Okay. Sorry. That's okay. So yeah, the simple essence of hurry is too much to do. I have too much to do. 
Oh my God, there's just so much going on. Always. And come come talk to companions about this. We, we roll into Lord's Days and we're like, oh my God, I'm so tired. Why are you so tired? I have so much to do. Why do you have so much to do? I just don't have enough time to do everything I need to do. Well, what are you doing? I can't even begin to explain to you what I'm doing. It's just, I'm so exhausted. I'm like, well, Busy. do you have to do all How that? How are you doing? Do, Busy. You have, do you have to do all that? Yeah, yeah, I mean, just have it's just like, and we all do it. I'm just as much to blame. Can you define that again? Hurry is the simple is. essence of hurry is too much to do. Mm-hmm. Hurry, he defines hurry as I have too much to do. Mm-hmm. So I need to eat breakfast while I'm driving and talking to my mom and praying the rosary and thinking about the pot and planning the next podcast. Insane. This is an insane. This is what insane people do. We should take it as our aim to live our lives entirely without hurry. We should form a clear intention to live without hurry. Okay. That sounds pretty good. Hurry, the great enemy of the spiritual life. Uh, Ronald Rollheiser, he quotes the Catholic guy, uh, pathological busyness. I thought that was a good line, right? Mm-hmm. There's a pathological busy. I'm working with some people on a project here in town, and um, the pace, the hurry, everything. And this is like really great stuff. This is evangelization. This is the, you know, this is like a, an exciting apostolate, but you feel the pace and you say to yourself, is this of God? Is this, re-? I mean, this does not, there's something about this. This is not spiritually settling. Mm-hmm. Um, what's driving this pathological business and this incessant hurrying, 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 even with the apostolates parishes, the, the desire to rebuild the church, mm-hmm. you know? So, well, I mean, I think that the end goal is growth, success, dynamism, fruit, you know, and like you look at the end processes and it's like, yeah, we want that. Absolutely. But I, today I did, I did the baptism and one of the options that I didn't realize in the new rite of baptism is John 15. How do you bear fruit? You want fruit? How do you, how do you bear fruit? Remain, remain with me. That's the only way. That's the only way you're going to bear fruit. If you do not remain in me, you will not bear fruit. And remaining does not mean running or hurrying or, I don't know, scurrying. They, yeah. they, use that, they use that in the gospel at some point. It's like they scurried about and got all of the sick and brought them to Jesus. And it's just like there's this desperation. Um, and I, I, I agree that there are moments in life where we want to see the end process come to fruition and we're so close but it's like just are you remaining yeah have you have you actually lost the 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 center that that drives everything else tomorrow we celebrate the feet well we're in the feast of the assumption right now in the evening uh which is the completion of the immaculate conception and mary's annunciation so the totality of her life this is the final the final bit mary's fiat she's not doing the dishes uh, when the angel comes to her and she's just like, yeah, yeah, what, what? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, be it done with me according to word. Yeah, I got it. Okay, it's fine. Yeah, fine. It's complete, undivided readiness, mm. attentiveness, and devotion to God in that perfect moment when on behalf of all creation she utters uh, a word of readiness and God is born in the world. And this is the whole Christian faith builds and hinges on that moment, on that woman's readiness. And I thought it was interesting that Dr. Selner Wright, who of all people has studied the feminine genius and knows it better than anybody, is mm. saying multitasking is not for women. And we always talk about this and we joke about men suck at multitasking, women are really good at it. And she's saying multitasking is inhuman. 
Mm. It's a computer thing. Now, I think there's something to be said about the fact that women are so deeply relational that they can stay present to persons in the midst of distraction in the way that men can't, or men oftentimes don't. Mm -hmm. So there's something to it. When you're watching a mom kind of do her thing, it's just a different... Mm -hmm. But I think it's it shows the kind of re, the inherent relationality in the feminine um, instead of women should be multitasking. You know, hmm. I just thought that was an interesting insight. Today I was holding my nephew Harrison, and uh, I wanted to try the cherry cayenne broad, folks. If you got the opportunity, Pottstown Bob in uh, Bloomington, Illinois, Bloomington, no, Peoria, Peoria, Illinois makes these cherry cayenne brats and but I was holding my nephew and then they they handed me the the half of the cherry cayenne brat but I was still holding him and I actually couldn't eat while I was holding him cuz I was terrified that I was going to drop him yeah a woman would have no problem doing that because 90% of the time when the child is a certain age they're holding the child and trying to do other things yeah but there comes a point where, like, you're no longer doing that. Right. You know? so that's true. That's I true. couldn't do that. Couldn't do it. But I don't think that's what we're talking about. No. I don't think it's like if your kids are around, you know, only give attention to that one thing and right. then move on. It's more like if you make that a habit or a pattern throughout the rest of your life. Right. Get more done. No, we've all seen women hurry, right? Just like we've seen men hurry. Um, there is a frantic, as you said... Or frenetic. Frenetic is the word, yes. Frenetic. You can say that. Okay. Um, We've seen it. Uh, You know, I I can think of examples in my own mind, just like, uh, so it's not just like women can do this. There's something about the the distinctiveness of, especially mothers, they have this ability to kind of work in relationship to different things. But what we're striking at here is, um, here's a line that I, I really loved from the book. He says, um, and this is quoting his mentor, who's a guy named John Ortberg, Hurry is not just a disordered schedule. Hurry is a disordered heart. Mm. Boom. So there I am talking to my mom, praying the rosary, eating breakfast, driving, planning the podcast. Yes. That's not the, the, the simple way that I, my self-justification and self-deception would be, I just have so much going on. I have to do all these things right now. And it's like, no, your heart is fundamentally disordered. And you're probably inordinately attached to what you do which is why you're doing too much all the time and putting expectations on yourself and letting other people's expectations drive you and drive and literally driving recklessly down Spear Boulevard at 7:30 What do you in the think morning. you should could have been doing? I don't like should. What do you think that the one thing or few things necessary in that moment was? Talk to your mom? I wh- talked to my mom while eating most mornings. Uh-huh. I didn't have to talk to her while I was eating the bar. The cliff It was just a cliff bar. It wasn't like eating a, I don't know. Oatmeal or something. Yeah, it wasn't a, what'd you have for breakfast? Uh, the, uh, <laughs> what? The scramble you had. I was trying to name it. The, uh, when we were on conference. Anyways. Um, I, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't eating a lot. It was, and then praying the rosary, uh, which I do driving most of the time. But I don't understand how you could pray the rosary while you're talking to your mom. Well, she called me during the rosary, and I was just like, I want to finish this decade, so, you know. So you prayed it with her? No. Oh, she was just kind of, you know. So uh, I think think what I was convicted of was 
uh, a word that he doesn't use. I just made it up, but monotasking. What if you did one thing at one time? And this would include like, mm-hmm. what if you're not texting while you're walking? Oh, what yeah. if you're just walking? Or just... Or not texting. I hate to say it. While you're driving. Yeah. Which I do uh, sometimes. And um, I, I just think monotasking, like do one thing at one time. If I'm talking to you, I'm talking to you. I'm not on my phone. I mean, I it is a, it is astonishing how many couples and families, especially the families, they get to the table next to you at the restaurant and immediately, boom, they're all on their phones. Sure. It's just, it's heartbreaking. Like, I honestly think it's just because what are we doing? We're just distracting ourselves um, and we're moving on to the next thing. And everything, I mean, everything is stacked against us. I mean, technology is working to keep us in a hurry and because people are making money off of our hurry. That's part of the thing. We had, we had Lord's Day tonight uh, with a priest from Uganda and uh, we got into a fascinating conversation about uh, St. Charles Luanga and companions and the the political environment and religious environment of Uganda. And then at some point, a number of the guys tried to break off and have a separate conversation. And I was like, I was like sheepdogging them because I was like, no, we're going to have one conversation. And I think that's really important because Mm -hmm. I would say that it's hard even for a family to have one conversation because you break off, you splinter. It's just like, what are you doing at school? What's going on? One person's kind of zoned out. Yeah. But like, I think that there there needs to be formed a habit, not just like, I don't think it's just phones that are always distracting us. I think it's our hearts that are distracting us from what is the good in this present moment? Yeah. What is it that I could uh, enjoy in this present moment that it is actually, um, it may not happen again. And I think about that like, uh, we did not, we had family dinners. Um, and I can't tell you the last time I can tell you the last time that we had a family dinner without kids. That was my dad's retirement before that, like where everybody's not just running around and half paying attention or watching like the Illini game or something. Like when was the last time your family sat at the same table and had one conversation? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I think that the, uh, the he really goes into this, um, and um, it's just we have to we have to take a stand, and we ha- it, our family life has to look different, and our companions' life has to look our different. friendships our friendships have to look different. Yeah, we're not above this. We have dinner on every Saturday night, and are we being intentional about what we're talking about? Are we having one conversation? Are we actually interested? We had a guest tonight from Uganda who makes fifty four dollars a month. That's his income. Yeah. Like, can we just listen to this? Are we convicted enough that the present is what is most real that we desire to live in the present? Yeah. Right? This is what God is creating. Like, we, we forget that. God, the creation wasn't just, you know, six billion years ago, or whatever it was. It Creation is right now. God is creating uh, this moment. And if we miss it and we're not present to the moment... And we're not present to God, and we're not present to others, because uh, the present is where things are meaningful, right? The past and the future, these are tricky things to sort out. They change in in the mind, but 
the 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 place where we de- derive the meaningfulness of pur- and purpose of our life is in the present moment. Um, what was the one thing you did intentionally today? Then, don't say say mass. I didn't. I wasn't intentional during mass. I was kind of out of it. Um, what did I do intentionally? I was chopping. I was cubing chicken breasts very intentionally today. And I was actually talking to Chris, but I was actually attentive to him. Mm -hmm. We were talking about his sister just moved here. His his Chris, the father, Chris's uh, companion brother, Goebbels associate. His father just passed. His sister just moved and they're in close proximity. Now we were having a good conversation about that. Nice. While I was cubing chicken. Right. But I mean, you were at, you were available to him. Yeah. You know, in that moment, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. You could have just been listening to music and be like, yeah, man, sorry, just kind of attentive on focus, yeah. you know, focus on the chicken right now. How about you? Um, I mean, honestly, like, I, I really enjoyed uh, holding the baby. Yeah. Like, because uh, that doesn't happen that often. And uh, two days, three days ago, my niece, uh, my goddaughter, Hannah turned 16. Hannah Bear. 16? 16. Man alive. And I remember 2005. Mikey boy, we're getting old. Yeah, he's getting old. You're getting old, Mike. 2005, I remember uh, holding her and being like, you're going to stay little forever. And and then I was holding Harrison today and I said, I'm going to be, I'm going to be 54 years old when you turn 16 whoa and i want to remember this moment right now and so i took a big draw of chrism from his forehead and i was like what a stud <laughs> that's good from the crown of the head excuse me from the crown which from the crown a, which apparently head. is on like, top of the head i think that would be beautiful to like actually meditate on what was the one thing what were the few things that i did intentionally today well i think a really good way of examining the day the, some Jesuits talk about this, the consciousness exam. And so you make an exam at the end of the day. So much of the spiritual life is lived in reflection. Right? Uh-huh. We're, we're living day-to-day moment. It's hard to know what's happening in the moment. We're making real-time decisions. We don't like, we're impatient, we're frustrated. We, you know. But um, then you have moments of reflection in Christ when God helps you in your memory, gives you the grace to unpack when were you present to him when were you not and a lot of times being present to him means being present to the chicken you're cubing and the the person in front of you yep uh and that's a that's a great i mean that's a very simple way of of saying what i mean i wouldn't have asked that question today because it was the grace it was the grace of that moment to actually be attentive but i wasn't in a hurry because yep. and and part of that is the schedule and part of that is acknowledging Oof. our limitations there's only so much we can do today. I I have this German Germanic drive in me, mm. and this, the Italian in you has I don't know it has resisted squashed, resisted the German, which you, your people figured out how to do pretty well. Um, but I have not. I still have to battle this. Where I wake up in the morning and I see uh, an impossible amount of work that needs to be done today, and I say to myself, I will do this. I will do this. And once I do it, then I can enjoy my life. And so much of the day is just slashing and saying, email inbox is not going to be full. This project is not going to get finished. This is going to have to wait until another time. 
there's only so much I can do every day. What am I prioritizing? What are the purpose of my life? What, what am I living for? Because if we're just going, 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 based on these kind of preconceived ideas that we, we are infinite and limitless in our capacity, and frankly, priests are being thrown into these settings. I think about my young guys and where they're going to be in a couple of years, and it's like you're going into the parish, and then you're going to get three parishes, and it's infinite demand, and you have to decide. I'm finite. So there's a reject. The, the hurry culture is a rejection of finitude, which means a rejection of createdness, which means a rejection of the creator. Hmm. Self-creation makes hurry. And that's what I, that's what I feel Good in my point. own life. Yeah. So what is, what is Comer, what's his uh, solution? He says there's basically four practices for unhurrying your life. Silence and solitude, Sabbath, simplicity, and slowing. These are good practices. You take one of and those secretaries and secretary, <laughs> the fifth S. You take one of those um, silence and solitude, Sabbath, Sabbath, simplicity, slowness, and slowing. Simplicity, slowness. And he just there's a great line from uh, Saint Francis de Sales that he quotes: "In everything, love simplicity." And that's a great starting point for this venture of unhurrying our life to love simplicity to love monotasking, to love the simple life on retreat, the simple life of holding the baby, even though you can't stuff the bratwurst in your face, like to desire that. Because a lot of times we moralize Christianity. So you're going to listen to this podcast and you're like, crap, I got to go fix my life. I got to go unhurry things. It's just one more thing that Father Nathan Goebel and Father John are making me do. And it's like, no, just, just let your heart desire simplicity. Because simplicity is childlikeness. And this was the gospel today. It was let the children come to me. Why is Jesus? Why is he? Why is the centerpiece and the and the framework of Christianity childlikeness? Why is Mary's fiat the most childlike act? Because it's simple. Kids are totally present to what is there. They're totally present to their emotions, which is crazy, right, for us adults. And yes, they're broken. Yes, they're fallen. And yes, they're in need of, of virtue formation. But there's something about the childlikeness that is says. I my life is simple and the present is real is it's real to me I let it I, I receive it as it is in this moment so I think we'll 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 cap her there unless you got some thoughts simplicity oh I mean I just you have a lot just, to say on this because Michael Casey is your guy well no I mean I just read that book on uh, Dom Dom Chatard on the spirit of simplicity and that partially was what it was about was just um, we remove external um, obstacles in order that we can choose what we're doing at that present moment as a pure intention. If it's, if in the, in the Cistercian life, if it's work, that's what we give ourselves to in that moment when that bell rings. I mean, this is the, this is the joy of, of monastic life. So, I mean, they're like, well, I just can't, I just can't do that. You know, most of our listeners are like, I just can't do that. But the the simplicity of the monastic life is such that when I work, I work. When I pray, I pray. When I'm called to have leisure, I have leisure. And uh, even the architecture that they that they've kind of surrounded themselves with is not as ornate. But there is a a joy and a delight in uh, an arch. Yeah that conveys a certain stability and the the curve of like 
everything is being upheld. Like God is in control. And um, I, 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 I don't really have much to add to this other than in at the beginning of summer or at the end of summer, which is always kind of a, a, a sad point of the year, I think, um, we're like, great, now I got to get back to work. And I think that that could be dangerous where it's just like, all right, now I just work until Christmas and then I get a break. And then I just work until it's Easter and then I get a break. And then I work until it's summer and then I get a break. I think there should be um, an orderedness to our life such that when we are doing uh, like regular tasks intentionally, it it's freeing. We're not like trying to do too, too much, but what I did, I, I did rightly. Yeah. You always have that line, which is festina lente. Festina lente. So hasten slowly. Yeah. Um, so find a way to give yourself intentionally, um, simply, um, single-heartedly, um, but not with frenzy. Right. So, I, I I read this book and it started, it awoke me to how much hurry was in my life. Yeah. And that's a great start. If you just if you just become a little aware tomorrow morning of, man, I, I really was right away. And then I'm, I'm at the kids and I'm, you know what I mean? Or I'm, you know, fighting with my husband or wife or whatever. And <laughs> you're hurrying, you're hurrying. Yeah. Not that we would ever do that, of course, but right. yeah, no. Yeah. So anyways. Um, e basta. E basta. That's what Finito. the Italians say. They, e I mean, they get to a point. Piano, piano. Take they, it slowly. They don't, they don't try to explain everything. No. They just say their point. E basta. E basta. Okay. Basta. So speaking of basta, um, we got some shout outs here. Uh, if I can pull them up as we're multitasking. Alarms ringing. Um, I uh, took a trip to Nashville, Tennessee. Mm. Been to Nashville? Yes. You been to Martin's Barbecue Pit in Nashville, Tennessee? No, it sounds awesome. Oh, it was delicious. What'd you roll Very with? Very expensive. Brisket? Pork. I got in the er, in the Uber with Litke from the Nashville Dominican's Mother House, uh-huh. and the guy is a uh, competitive barbecuer. The the guy? The, the driver. Nice. And we said, he goes, where are you going? He goes, there's only one place in this town where I go. And we said, we're going to Martin's. He goes, that's the place I go. And we're like, yes. And we said, what do you get? He said, get the brisket. Hot link. Hot link. No way. Get the, get the Chicken, green beans. The tur- he, said, oh, okay. he said, the mac and cheese will leave you wanting. Um, I don't do mac and cheese. I love mac and cheese. I still, I still Unless it. it's craft, forget it. So uh, that was a great experience. But the sisters, uh, the Nashville Dominicans are remarkable. And I was deeply moved by just their life. Uh, talk about simple, pure hearts. Um, they do one thing and they do it well and mm-hmm. they do it with great love. And when they're with you, you feel that. And the occasion of this, um, and maybe this is just, I'll leave it with this one shout out today. The occasion of this trip was <laughs> that um, in 2017 or 2018, I got an email from some random podcast listener, an Italian named Irene Taglioli from Bologna. Bologna, she corrected my uh, Bologna. Bologna. Um, and she said, hey, I'm coming to Rome. I'd love to meet you. And I said, sure. So we got lunch at Itabli, 
and uh, started a friendship. I, I, as she was discerning the Dominicans, I said, you need to meet this Dominican, Father Austin Litke. He, of course, not only became friends with her, but then with the, the mastery of his Italian language, became we became friends through his Italian uh, with her family. And she became a Dominican three years ago. She professed first vows on Wednesday, the Feast of St. Lawrence, Tuesday, the Feast of St. Lawrence, the 10th. Um, and we went, and one of the reasons we went was because we love her and she's great, but her family couldn't come mm. because uh, EU countries are not able to come to the United States. So wow. we had two wonderful days uh, with her. We got way more time than we expected. Sister Katerina Joy is her name now, and uh, she's amazing. And uh, she's not listening to this, but Sister Mary Catherine I met, and her brother, John, or her brother, nephew, Jonathan Titus in Indianapolis is a big time listener. And I was like, I'm going to give that guy a shout out. He's a there dentist in Carmel, Indiana. Dentist. Anybody who needs dental work in Carmel, we, we support. Jonathan, Highly recommended. Dr. Jonathan Titus. So if thanks look, for listening. If you're looking for a dentist in the El Paso, Illinois area, look up Dr. Jim Drake. That's Jim Drake for Drake, Drake Dentistry. Um, That's it. So, so Sister Katerina... Lovely. We love you. All right. Well, um, well then we'll stick with Nashville. I'm gonna only st- I'm gonna do one too. Uh, shout out to Justin Humphreys. Actually, that works great because uh, this kind of flows in. Justin Humphreys, uh, who is originally from Bama Catholic, roll Bama. tad, roll um, uh, but he lives in Nashville now, and he's a friend of Pete Mikaitis, um, who um, does a podcast called um, How to Be Awesome at Work. How to be awesome at your job, and uh, my guess is he he might want to have this dude on, yeah. uh, on you know how to give up hurry. So, um, anyways, he's just coming up on the 500 mark of podcasts as well. Uh-huh. So, congratulations, okay. Pete Mikaitis. Pete Mikaitis. and uh, shout out to Justin Humphreys, his friend from Nashville. We'll end there. We will end there, folks. It is 10:31 in the evening. Uh, it is time for bed. I am going to do this intentionally. Good night.